With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We are blessed with awfully good roads, but they're completely inaccessible for like four months out of the year, and they're all starting to open. This is exciting news. So I looked at the boy this weekend, and I said, do you want to go for a drive? And he said, are we taking the Lotus? And I said, yeah. Naturally. And he said, how fast can we get in there? So so we did that. We did like 100 miles without even trying. That's one of the things I love about when you have a car you love. If you make any effort at all to drive it, the miles will be there because you just go, 100 miles went by. Hopefully you have some yeah. decent roads. We are blessed yeah. with very good roads. But I hope you can find something good. This is why we're here to help you find that car that if you're going, somebody's going with you and a great road will follow. No kidding. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for being with us. We've got a pretty cool episode here. We've got two guests, very well known in the racing industry, live here on the podcast. It's very cool. Is Tommy Kendall and Justin Bell. We're going to talk with them for a little bit. But first, uh, before we do call them, there is some news. Yes, we have uh, various things coming up this week. We have the uh, on YouTube, we have our Sedans Autocross piece is coming to YouTube this week. Also coming to YouTube at the end of the week on Saturday, we have one of our old TV episodes. That is the Kia Stinger versus the BMW 4 Series Grand Coupe. Both of those are coming on Saturday. We've been doing some of those premieres. This one we're going to try is just a scheduled release. We're going to see how it does with the algorithm. So it'll be still at uh, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, that will release on YouTube on Saturday. We'll see how that goes. That's going on. But are you thinking BMW news right now? Is that the news you're pondering? Uh, well, <laughs> I haven't quite seen it yet, but they, I think mm. everything is going to be confirmed that the Beaver Teeth are <clears throat> going to be in place and leading the way is the corporate look yes. moving forward, which is... Orthodontics are needed. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. There's going to be some sketching. I'm already sketching. <laughs> sketching has begun. If you haven't seen Paul's issue. two fixing the design pieces, there's one on the Corvette C8. There's another one that just came out on the Mustang Mach-E, and he's been waiting kind of impatiently for BMW to decide if they really are doing beaver teeth or not. looks like as of this week, oh, they are. So <laughs> I am expecting you to come sweeping in quickly with that video. All right. Well, we've got for Topic Tuesday, a couple of amazing race car drivers, Justin Bell and Tommy Kendall. They are TK and JB on the Torque Show podcast and the Torque Show itself. And Justin actually won his GT2 class in Le Mans in 1988 and the GT2 World Championship in 1997. He's very fast. So was Tommy. He's was the youngest IMSA champion in 1986. And until last year, the only double champion. Four more IMSA titles, four Trans Am titles. Both these guys are unbelievably fast. Justin, you got both of us, Paul and Todd. How are you? Well, you got both of us, Tommy and Justin. How Fantastic. Excellent. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey. Thanks All for being with us, guys. Very, very Can cool. Can you hear us okay? Yeah, we got you. It's no problem. Yep. Crank it up if you can, but we got you just fine. Yeah, yeah. Normally, I have more. We have more equipment for this, but I'm just. We set up for the show, and we just came inside the airstream. So, oh, oh good. Nice. No worry. We can hear you for sure. Now, you're sometimes you've podcasted from Audio Concierge. You're in the airstream today. Well, no, we actually moved. We did Audio Concierge for the first two. Okay. And then we moved to Fusion Motor Company. Our friends out of Fusion in Chatsworth. Oh, nice. And they do those Eleanor replicas. They do these Land Rover Defenders that. I mean, they have full engineering and production engineering capabilities. It's it's unbelievable, actually. Oh, so, um, and they have 
for want of a better word, uh, an exotic car showroom where they or they buy in, you know, they trade their own cars and mm-hmm. buy in inventory as well as showcase the products they make. So we have a spot there just for a few, for a couple of months while this all blows over. Wow. 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 A nice place to be forced to be. <laughs> I was going right? to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not ugly. <laughs> no, nice and difficult too. Gives you a bad case of the I want. For sure. Oh, man. For sure. Oh. Yeah. Where, this, where are you guys? We are actually located in Park City, Utah. We started the show in LA and then I moved to, this is Todd, I moved to uh, Park City area in 2010 and Paul moved four or five years later. So we're actually both based in Park City now and uh, we do the show from here. But we fly to LA a lot because we both know it. And we get a lot of press cars out of there. Okay. Yes. Well, yes. Like it. well, thanks for asking us. Yeah. Happy to have you on. Of course, we've got many questions for you. And uh, I've been, actually been watching some of your podcasts and quite personally enjoying two in particular when you had Dan Binks on recently. And oh, yeah. just over his shoulder was the C7 Lamar car in his home <laughs> garage that he is driving around his neighborhood. <laughs> I'm just enjoying yeah. you guys getting the race car drivers and, and the crew chief like Dan on the show and they're just kind of revealing a little bit what's in their lives and then tom christensen with his wall of helmets in the background <laughs> my jaw hit the floor i'm going you've got to be kidding me that was, that was that, that, quite nice that's been a silver lining of doing these ones is you know we encourage them to you know to do it from a cool spot or if they don't to do do a little phone video and send it to us ahead of time so <laughs> i can't um, believe that nice, and yeah. dan was smirking you know because he's got the c7 the the Lama winning C7R race car in his home garage that he'd just, you know, just drive there around is. the neighborhood because, you know, yeah. I got to go to Starbucks or something. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. this yet? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so just to start us at the beginning of the Torque Show, explain it to us in your own words. What is it? And for those who may not know. Well, you know, Tommy and I majestically didn't get hired. Well, he says we got fired, but we didn't get hired <laughs> by NBC. Okay. Um, to go to uh, with the IMSA series after Fox um, lost the contract or dropped the contract. Sure. Uh, and Tommy's been doing this from the, you know, he was in the studio for the last, what, 10, 8, 10 years? Off and on for Off and on. a better part of 10. 10 years. Yeah. Whereas I was always in the pit lane and, you know, a much more favorable position, uh, even though I didn't pay the same, I'd rather it was better to be at the track. Mm-hmm. And I could sort of see this opportunity that – we had that there was for a show that taps into the ecosystem of sports cars and IMSA and everything. And I could also see where TV just couldn't do the job properly. You know, you'd mm-hmm. have Roger Penske or you'd have Bert Schneider or someone or Chip Ganassi and they'd say, you've got 45 seconds, three, uh, one question. Sure. They're like, this is the freaking Daytona 24 hours. What else are you going to talk about? <laughs> right. you know? And then they go back and follow in car, don't they? Or they go, Oh, and there they are, the number 10s overtaking the 31. You know, I know it's got used to get very frustrated, but I guess I'd always wanted a chat show. I'd always had this vision of an airstream, mm. and everyone also used to say that Tommy and I be, should have our own show. And uh, so I, I imagine it was mid-18 when I started saying to him if this this could be an idea. Mm. And I also had a, a contract with Michelin, so I knew I knew what they were looking for. And to be honest, the best, uh, the f- highest form of flattery for it, I think, was when Tommy said, you know what? If NBC called me and offered me the job now, I, d- I don't think I'd take it. Mm. And that was how close we were, right? Yeah, we were getting close. And the more I started thinking about it, the more excited I was. Um, because you know, we'd be in these production meetings and, you know, there's so many great stories. And I get their side, too. But you'd be in a production meeting and say, we should really dig into this this week. And 
and it just wouldn't happen for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas now, you know, the stories are what, like if you go to Amelia Island, the panels that Justin's hosted and I've hosted or sure. been on, you know, people just can't get enough of that stuff and we're the same way. And so for all the big name guys like the Hobbs and the Derek Bells and so forth, there are guys like Dan Binks that aren't as well known except to the super fanatical. Right. And, right. and a guy like Larry Holt behind Multimatic, you know, you've never heard Larry Holt talk for 40 minutes. And mm -hmm. so... You know, so that's it's just it's a really rich, you know, there's endless uh, characters. And and so we just got going on it. And, uh, you know, the the timing was exactly right, I think. And, and it's been a big hit. Where's the where's the best place to find it? And then there's the video version and then there's the podcast is different. Am I am I wrong there? No, you're. Yeah, actually, I'd love to say you're wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, what it what it what it is, is we really focused on Facebook as our distribution platform. Got it. And that was a, that was because we could tap into the communities Certainly. and everything. And uh, while my kids think I'm a you know total loser for being on Facebook, uh, <laughs> they're 12 and 16 and I, you know, their generation isn't, yes. but the ones right. with the money is on Facebook and it's also important to Michelin to be there. So we primarily distribute to Facebook and then we will upload very recently to YouTube and our podcast is something that we've just edited them down a bit and then put them up on on SoundCloud and got it. It's it's not a it's not a priority, although it's about to be. And then the evolution, obviously, which is I think how this kind of came together is the partnership with Haggerty. We've launched a second show, which is the Love of Cars. Got and it. That premieres as a live stream. They're really bolstering their live streaming presence. So yeah. they show for for example, uh, every Tuesday we have a live show with Haggerty. And then a day later, that then goes to the Torque Show Facebook page as well. And so it's it's you can see it both places. But if you want that show live, you have to, have to find it on Haggerty.com. Cool. So you're building an empire is what you're saying. I get it now. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're talking actually to talk media group right now. So a little more respect, please. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll make it a little <laughs> more official group. for it's sure. Not, yeah, it's a group. Powered, powered by hot air. Where there's power, <laughs> no shortage of. So you know, we, we've got a lot of a, a runway with that hot air. That's really cool. Well, I'm I'm definitely enjoying watching some of these. And, you know, Tommy, like you said, some of these guys just revealing just a little bit. And you think, well, I didn't know you had that car. And I, I think, Tommy, the last time we saw you was uh, late 2017. It was the Motor Press Guild Track Day mm -hmm. up at Willow Springs. One of the last ones. One yeah. of the last ones they ever had, as a matter of fact. And you rolled through in your 73 rooster car, the, the Olds 98, that has become a fixture for sure. And uh, there's this perception that race car drivers drive the coolest thing ever. Well, hang on. I have to stop you for those that haven't seen this car. It, you, you Tommy drives to, a rolling chicken. It, I mean, he can explain it better car. than we can, but it's a rolling chicken. It's fantastic. It's a rooster. It is. And you were you were going to say the coolest car. And I said, well, I agree. But I don't think that's where you were going with the story. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It, it was no, the coolest car. It's very cool. But keep going, Paul. Yeah. And what I love about it is that it's so unique and different. You think, well, you know, Tommy has this great career in race car driving. He drives what? Not that just, yeah. you know, that raised your stock price like you wouldn't believe when I saw you roll through it. Yeah, thing. from our perspective, we were like, Tommy's even cooler now. <laughs> Look at the chicken yeah. car. Yeah. It's also, it also, you know, when you've won how many championships? Nine, ten? Nine. Nine championships. It just reaffirms that he has a big... <laughs> you were, you, does. You, you've he, had that joke waiting in the wings. I could say I have, and I can't say it on my show. I've been waiting. You're going to make them bleep it on their show. There you, there you go. That is very funny. 
Well, so where I was going with this is, you know, there's this perception race car drivers drive, you know, something exotic and hot. And we talked to our audience about going to get the cars and increasing their knowledge and love of cars through what we call drive homework. So we'll assign drive homework to the people for whom we're debating cars. You know, we say, all right, you're looking at this kind of Mm -hmm. car. We're assigning you drive homework to go drive this, this, and this car. So that generates a feeling in the cars we love to drive. My question to the both of you is what feeling are you looking for in the cars you own? If you're willing to reveal what other cars you own to our audience and what are you looking to buy next? What's next on your radar to own? What, you know, cause we're of course always searching and looking. We're all always shopping. We're, we can't stop ourselves. You know, yeah. we start talking about a car and then we, you know, jump online and start to search for that. Like, Oh, I didn't know they were that cheap. Now how could I, huh? What money do I have to come up with for that? So anyway, that, that's my question to the both of you. Well, I mean, it's funny because we have uh, Dario Franchitti coming on today and I had this interesting conversation with him a while back, which leads into exactly what you're talking about. Some of the modern day stuff is so fast. It's too fast. It really has outgrown the roads. And so I was salivating over a Singer Porsche and then a friend of mine got one. And I actually, and so I just looked at it as jewelry and artwork that I dueled over, but I drove it. What struck me about that car is how perfectly scaled it was for the road in terms of the Mm. amount of power it had, the size of the tire, the weight. And so it wasn't as fast as you know, Dario was driving a new GT3 at the time, but it, it just gave you a better overall feeling. And so I think, you know, unless you're a professional and want to take massive risks, mm. something like that, I think that's probably what's behind, you know, some of the love of some of the, all the older stuff that's coming back, the alphas that are getting hot rodded. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a whole combination of things. It's the, it's the overall feeling. The sound is a part of that the characteristics where, you know, where it feels on the limit. Um, so I have, I have a C63 black series, which is my kind of uh, splurge car that I finally let myself buy. Very cool. Um, Very and nice. that one is, is kind of, is definitely German hot rod style, but I have to admit I'm, I'm more focused on getting something like that, whether it's an alpha, a 240Z that I can, that I can, uh, modify something like that, or, you know, eventually maybe a singer Porsche. Very cool. <laughs> Ideally. Yes. Ideally. You know, for me, uh, I'm, I'm in this debate with my, my son right now, who's 16, who now is totally tuned into high performance cars. Nice. And he's yeah. like, dad, if you had a million dollars right now to spend, spend on a car, what would you, what would you buy? <laughs> You'd be like would a house. I, and I'm like, I'm like, well, it's weird. I'd have a little probably early seventies, nine eleven, And I'd like, a. Mm or a Land Rover Defender, and I'd probably, I, I mean, I would be out of the money to get an F40, but I'd find something because I can't afford the Luso. And he's like, what a loser. <laughs> he said, why wouldn't you buy a, why, you could put the deposit down on the, uh, what's the big Bugatti, the new one? Uh, Chiron. 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 He yeah. said you could put the deposit down on a Chiron. With him. I'm like, Oliver, I have no interest in it because <laughs> it's totally depressing to realize that you're, suddenly transitioning to an era of your life where your ultimate performance isn't what you're wanting. Mm. Like Tommy said, you want the noise, you want the, the vibrations. And uh, I, I, so for me, uh, a car that I would be looking for, and I missed the boat, um, actually Jay's analogy the other day on the show was perfect, wasn't it? When a car was 50, he said, that's too much money. When it was 250, he said, that's too much money. And now it's two and a half million. He's like, okay, it's off. Um <laughs> 
I would love a, I'd love a, like a 550 Marinello. Last oh. V12 manual that Ferrari ever made. Oh. Funny you say that. So. I've been lusting after those for the last year, yeah. ever since we got to drive one. As a matter of fact, our oh. car care sponsors, Griot's Garage up in Tacoma, and Richard and Nick took us out on a drive with various cars. Yeah, and a few things. That was one of them, and I had no idea. I'd like V12 manuals quite so much. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know. I turned down one. I turned down one. It was 58,000. Canary oh. yellow. Canary mm. yellow. And I was like, and I think someone said to me, well, it won't be worth anything. You know, but like anyway, I, I now. add that to my list of rubbish decisions. I've Who made said that? Was that your dad? The guy that Probably. sold the, uh, the, the, the 275? Yeah. 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 We're good. We're good at that. The bell. <laughs> Painful memories. Oh, the 275 man. that Enzo gave him. Yeah. Oh, my what? gosh. Yes. Well, you know, that, that's worth nothing, too. So I oh get it. I totally understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I drive a Lotus Elise, and Paul has a, a Cayman GTS. And so we, we have the same conversation you guys are talking about. And that is, as we get into big stuff, we keep going, What? Do you, where do you use this? What do you have this for? And not because it's not fun. Because generally, I mean, as everyday driver would suggest, we're focused on much more attainable stuff, but we still get the opportunity, and we're going to take the opportunity yeah, to get into yeah. the big stuff. But we always walk away going, that was crazy fun, but that's not for this earth. That's not for anywhere I could go use it, <laughs> which is which is what's so nuts Short about the upper-level cars. But, e- yeah. but even some tracks, you got cars with over 200 miles top speeds. Where are you doing that? There's no racetrack yeah. running to yeah. do that. Not around here. So no. it's... So this is the debate that we have all the time where we're trying to get people into stuff that they can enjoy on their favorite back road. And many times the the littler stuff, if you will, little in quotes, is more fun on that back road than the big crazy stuff. Yeah. My son wants the Elise, by the way. That's his first car. I've he, had he got driven around it. First car. First car. And, and oh I'm, my like, God. I'm like, really? So where are you? He was a child actor, so he has he was on Westworld and made a bit of cash. Okay. So he's like Okay, Dad, well, I'm buying it. So he took off one of the arguments. <laughs> I said, but I'll be insuring it. So that's the second argument. Wow. And, you know, there is something to, for a kid to be learning a manual. For sure. Because they can't, they can't get on their phone. We say that all the time. We say that all the time. Starbucks, you know. Yep. So yep. Now, I want to ask you, I'm going to flip it on you guys a little bit. A lot of stuff is price what it's worth. And so, but everyone loves to find bargains or to overachieve or be, be the, what is the smartest sort of undervalued drive bargain right now that you guys see or that you hear from your, your viewers? Are you, is there a limit on, I guess, newness more, more recent? Do you, do we have to go back to, you know, the nine fourteens or something that are cheap and janky or what's, what's no, our just, just the biggest, the biggest sort of Delta between what you pay and, and how big a deal you feel you're getting because they're so good. Oh, that's interesting. I, you know what? I've never, I, I'm going to admit this. I like Miatas. I've never loved Miatas until the new RF, the Miata RF retractable fastback, the updated ND2, right? Updated ND2. That's the updated power in the engine. And I, I was cackling everywhere I drove this thing. We just drove it recently for a TV yeah, episode. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'll like it. It'll be great and all this stuff. And then I drove it and I'm going, okay, there's a little bit more power here that now makes me really want this car. Because I don't want just a you know small, fun, lightweight car without any power. I, I need some power. And you know, like you're talking about, Tommy, we don't need you know gobs of power. You know what you were saying, mm-hmm. Todd. I, I like that little bit of upgrade and there was just a little bit more in there. And I thought, now how much are these again? And slightly. (laughs) Now wait, what? I, Hmm. Now this is kind of shaking me up here because I'm Porsche guy, Todd's Lotus guy. Yeah. And Um, we always talk about that in terms of our, our car love, but 
you know, we're, we're open to anything. And I've discovered Hyundais and I've discovered Mazdas and that RF just, it's, it's under my skin. I'll be honest. That's the, <laughs> that's the fun part is the search and it's never over. And, you know, and you meet someone, you, you, you see something in a way you never thought of it before. Nobody can know it all, you know, and that's. I, I've discovered that my decimal point is closer to the start of the line than other people's. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Cause that is, that is the reality of it. Is yeah. that, you know, some people go, Oh, that was great. Buy. It was only 350 grand. You know, you're like, yeah. and I, you know, but and I bought five cars at auction yesterday. You're yeah. going, okay. yeah. I mean, for them, bring a trailer is a bit like me playing my virtual blackout, blackjack. You know yeah. I mean? It's true. And there's a premium. There's a bring a trailer premium on everything now. And we all roll our eyes I, at each other. If coming. I was rich, I would be so, I would be, you a problem. I'd have a problem on bring a trailer. For sure. Like, for sure. Like, it's not gambling. It's bring up. a trailer. Yeah, it's it's nuts the stuff you can get off of it. I mean, here's the thing: we end up talking about one of the ones that that's recurring on this podcast all the time is guys. I have five thousand dollars, and we always say, "Well, great. What what's in your area that you like? Let's not right. get nuts." But so much much of our conversation is twenty twenty five grand. And what I find amazing at that range is two cars, and people are sick of hearing me talk about them. But but one is the fact if you get a second gen Porsche Boxster or a first gen Cayman, so we're talking like oh oh five oh six through like oh yeah. nine, you got twenty five grand in your pocket. You can go get a nice one. Nobody knows it costs you that. And it's a great car. And then the other one that's like 15 is, pick your name for it, either the Subaru BRZ or the Toyota 86 or the FRS, whatever we want to call it. Those are great cars. That's Toyota's Miata, if you will. Mm-hmm. And those cars, you can get them for 15 grand. Toyota's Miata. That's, I mean, that's the closest <laughs> analog to what we're talking about. True. Both of those cars astound me as far as driver quality for something that looks like it costs you more than that and is great to drive. My son has brought up about the Boxster being fifteen grand. By the way, he's found the, the first like the grand. first gens. Yes, the yeah. first gens like, are for sure. Really yeah. great stuff, Ollie. Yeah. Um. So so uh, tell us what else you're doing in your world then. I'm. T- you're, you're you're interviewing us, but I'm just thinking. <laughs> what have you driven recently that that makes you curls your hair? Have you been allowed to drive cars? We actually, because we are in Utah, and because the the press fleet we work with is only a couple of people as well, we were very blessed to keep getting press cars over the last few weeks. And then Toyota wanted to do their big launch of the the revamped the 2021 Supra with the three liter, and then while we're there, let's drive the the four four cylinder. But because they couldn't do that launch, you probably saw this. They shipped those cars all over the country. So a couple of weeks ago, we had two Supras show up. So we did the new three-liter versus the two-liter. We did that. We actually shot those two together, and then we took the two-liter with the 86 because those are you know kind of stepbrother cars with theoretically the same engine. So we took those cars, and we took them. We did a TV episode for that. So we got a lot of content out of that. Some of it's come out. Some of it hasn't yet. But just to have – come on. At one point, we had those three cars in the driveway together, the Toyota 86, the two-liter Supra, and the three-liter Supra. It was like, this is a tough day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, continuing. And like Todd said, press cars have continued their rotation because they'd rather be driving the cars to us at this point right now, which is mm-hmm. great for us, which means we can yeah. continue to drive what we call Fast Blast for YouTube. And that's what a lot of people use as a shopping tool, whether it's a Honda Ridgeline or an SUV. And, and we need to drive those cars, too, because of our recommendations for podcast listeners. So if we're doing a debate, we're recommending stuff, we can say, hey, we just drove the whatever it is. But then, you know, over here, we're still... Now, pushing on TV season seven, we'll be back on the Motor Trend Cable Channel on July 4th for season seven. So we're kind of doing both. The podcast continues as well. And we're just, you know, we're looking at the second half of 2020 is all the racing is coming back. Every car event is going to come back, hopefully. I I say that with tongue in cheek, but you know what I mean? It just seems like everybody's kind of raring to go, if you know what I mean. 
I mean, you were saying powered by hot air, Tommy, and we fully, fully agree because we end up doing, you know, two hour long podcasts a week. We do the TV show, we do the YouTube stuff. And so because of the podcast, we now cover stuff. I mean, literally we've had conversations with people seriously about Priuses and minivans, which we didn't start the show to do, but now with the podcast, we've broad, broadened out to everything. So it's an awful lot of conversation about cars. Well, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, you guys are so focused on the enthusiast angle. Um, we just we did a documentary that says that even if you aren't a car person, you you likely have a car story. That's a whole other aspect mm-hmm. that I think is really interesting. And that's True. what the chicken car does for me. That's what I have a '76 Cadillac Fleetwood Brougham, which isn't a great car to you know from a dynamic standpoint, <laughs> but they transport you to a different era or a different feel you know it's almost like an outfit and so i mean i know that's not exactly your guys lane but i think that's fun i bought my wife a, a 107 uh you know a uh, 560 sl mercedes very cool oh cool that she had always you know used to get picked up by a friend's mom and the mom was a cute young mom with the tennis outfit and she goes gosh i was and so i think there's something <laughs> about cool. this changing states of mind, you know, which is cool. I mean, talk about the best money I ever spent. I didn't get it before. I said, before we scout the country for a really, really good one in the right color, I said, we don't even know if you're going to like to drive this. And so I found a pretty darn, you know, that gets lots of thumbs ups. I spent 9,500 bucks on it. Mm. And I went away on my next trip and I called home and I said, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm online. I said, what are you doing? She goes, I'm, I'm looking at uh, SLs. I said, what? <laughs> yeah. And she goes, we might need a bigger garage. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Best day <laughs> ever. It worked, everyone. That's funny. JB, Todd has called his Elise a cul-de-sac car. Yes, I have. You don't go somewhere else. There's it's no not next. like you you yeah. go, you know, you, you move up from there because the dynamics you're looking for exist in that car. And so we had a podcast episode not too long ago where we we're identifying other cul-de-sac cars because somebody wrote in and said, I want my own cul-de-sac car. What, well, what and, is that? And we clarified, me? we clarified that what that means in this discussion is you buy a, a lot of times if you buy a car, you go, Oh, well, you've got one of those. You should get one of these next. The Elise doesn't have a next. It's just kind of no, a car that's an Island. And those are hard to find, but we had people now that are asking to get those, but sorry, go on. So I, I'm asking the both of you, does that breed car collections? That was my, my question. You yeah. know, now that you've got your cul-de-sac car, you've, well, you're just going to keep it. Because you found it. Now I need garage space. Now I need garage space. So does that mean, oh, well, what's my next? I have ended up with a collection without, it It seems super pretentious to call it a collection because it's literally just a, <laughs> a, an accumulation of things that just never left. Um, but over, and Dan Banks, uh, mentioning Danny, since he was my crew chief my whole career, I had to to place a bunch of them when I was getting booted out of where they were stored. And so uh, there's about seven cars in Michigan that Banks looks after for me. (laughs) Um, Four race cars. And then, and then I have a 95 Cobra R, which uh, I got when I was driving for Ford. Mm. Um, And so it's, it's one of these things where I have my very first new car, which I always thought you hear people when I was younger, you hear people lament about, they wish they had their first car. And so my first new car was an 84 Audi coupe. Okay. And up until Radwood came along, <laughs> I was like, this car is never going to be like a 69 Camaro where people go, Oh my God, look at that thing. <laughs> now with Radwood, actually there's a chance because I've got an 84 Audi coupe. that was period customized <laughs> yes. with a body kit and central wheels and a red Fittipaldi steering wheel. on it. That's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, it's, now you're it's the sort man. of an oddball collection with no theme that that's great though but it has a connection to you which is what's so awesome 
Yes. And, and that's the thing that keeps happening is you end up with – because this is the, the fight. Oh, look, fight's too strong. Or this is a fight I'm having with my son who's 10 is he keeps looking at me in any discussion about the Lotus might not stay forever. He looks at me like I've stabbed him in the heart. He's like, wait, wait, wait. This car might go away. So now I'm like, well, I mean I do love it too. And my wife, my wife loves it as well. So she's like, do we really need to get rid of the Lotus? I'm like, well, where are we putting it if it stays? Where's that? Anyway, so but a, these, are, a, these are nice problems to have though, I will admit. This collection of – I mean, Tommy, you can claim that Dan keeps some cars on block for you they're just out in the yard on blocks right i mean technically <laughs> depends on how you spin it right yeah they're not actually in the yard <laughs> <laughs> we didn't think so yeah yeah so isn't that like the joke with the guy whose wife says to him you know it's me or the harley and he's it's like it's, if it's you or the cars i just hope you're happy wherever you end up exactly yeah. i just want you to be happy wherever you go yeah yeah i really Awful. do hope i do hope you're happy yeah i know you've got to You've got to, I mean, this is the great thing about what's happening now with the car world and these amazing events is it's become so inclusive. I think there was definitely mm, many mm. years when it was just all the guys are out working on their cars and guys go to car shows. And, you know, even Leno said to us, you know, guys go to their car shows and walk around, talk to each other about the car and the women mm. for a lot of the time are, are left out. Now, thank goodness, you know, they're restoring them. They're owning them. We did a great feature on a lady that had some beautiful cars. She was she was she was the passionate one more than her husband about mm. them in Newport. And you know, I'm glad it brings the kids in. If we don't get the kids to have a love of it, we're not going to have a future. Totally, so, totally. Um, I, I'm glad that it's become. These events are so in, so entertaining to be at and so colorful that uh, I think we're all in withdrawals right now that we're not at them. You know, I'm talking about Agreed. Goodwood or. Beats totally or hear you. Yeah, yeah. Any of them, all the way down to smaller ones. So, so to that end, uh, Justin, what, where, what's your son going to get? I mean, <laughs> I, I know I'm calling you out now, but but where, where is he going to land? I love his choices. It's by really the way, tough. Do you know what I've always wanted uh, him to have, and I keep leaving it up on my screen on my iMac at home? Is I thought, and it's, it would be a little 2002 BMW. Mm. You know. That's strong cool. bill. I know they've gone up in value, unfortunately, yeah. but still get in around twenty-five grand, and you could, you know, rear-wheel drive, five-speed, well mm-hmm. built, mm-hmm. and uh, tool, and you could custom, you know, if he wants to mod a car, he calls it modding, right? Yeah, you for know, sure. Yeah. I'm gonna mod my car, so I'm like, well, you could put, you know, like the the Alpina Alpina street stripes down it. You could turn totally. it into the Batmobile, like my dad had one. <laughs> um, you cool. know, the BMW Batmobile. Yeah, model, yeah, totally yeah. know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, I think that's a great car. And he looked at me as though I was literally talking a different language. It was weird. Um, so he's like, he's like, but have you seen the new Super? I'm going, Oliver, you're off your head. This is not the bad, this is not the bad power band we're in right now. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, but you know, something like that. I mean, I know it's a mid seventies car, but you can work on it. You could enjoy it. And I think it's, I told him, you've got to have a rite of passage to driving. Mm. I'm not saying a 2002 is a shoebox, but you need to have a rite of passage of having something underpowered, something that's going to, you know, not necessarily overheat, but it's going to cause yeah. you some stress. If you just have something that's brand new and ready to go, if it's got too much power, you don't develop your art. Agreed. Right? A reason we, Absolutely. You know, there's a reason we started out in racing in form of Ford. You don't go straight out and racing in a Viper. One of my first, well, people too, obviously. One of my first streetcars was a Gen 1 Rabbit. 
that was, you know, had sway bars, it stock other than an exhaust. So I think it had like 80 horsepower. Okay. Um, but you had to pedal that thing. Yeah. And they're, they're, I, now that's a car to suggest it. Yeah. If he doesn't like them, the Gen 1 GTIs are starting to, oh, they're yeah. still cheap, but they're starting to tick yeah. up a little bit. My, oh, first, no. yeah, my, my first car was, a, it wasn't a GTI. My second car was a Peugeot 205 GTI, a car you never even had here. Okay. Um, both cars suffered a similar fate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're never up for resale. You're not suggesting GTI Gen 1s are going to go up in value, are you? Uh-oh. I think they are. I think they are. Yes. Wow. I mean, not a lot, but I think, uh, I mean, they, they do resonate. Like, that was the car when I was in high school. Um, you know, I'm 53. And so it was a car that you could reasonably have even then. Mm-hmm. And so, again, talking about a, a lot of what cars are is they're, you know, recapturing periods of your life. Totally. But, you know, your, your son, who is so attached to the Lotus, is going to want a Lotus someday. You're probably He's right. He's going to want to circle back to that. <laughs> My yeah, dad had an E-Type, and it's the car that got away from me because he sold it before I could drive. Which is why you cannot get rid of the Lotus. that's why I would always love to have an E-Type. For that exact, you're absolutely right. Oh my gosh! The Gen, the Gen One GTI. Actually, we drove one a few years back, and this is not what I'm recommending for your son, Justin. But it was fun. There's a guy here locally that has a Gen One GTI with a. It's an Audi TT motor, isn't it, Paul? Yes, the 1.8 TT motor. I, I think, think so. dropped I into think it. I think so. But it's got. Thank you for It's got that. more than double the original horsepower, and so, it is a how riot. How do you spell wheel spin? Yeah, exactly. It is a. It is an absolute yeah. riot. Well, everywhere it was so you much drive fun. it, the car's like, I was not made to go this fast. But Slow it's. Down. But we're cackling and. You're Funny. waiting for you know to topple over, but man, it was fun. But I don't recommend that for your son, Justin. But it was still fun. Well, he bought it for like fourteen grand. It was a father son project that he bought from that father and son yeah, who did yeah, yeah. it for fourteen or fifteen thousand dollars. So well bought. The car just scampers. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, it's just gone because it's so lightweight. And you think, oh, that's a slow. G- it's just gone. <laughs> he was a rocket ship everywhere. Yeah. So funny. Well, we actually end up talking about the the sixteen year old driver thing quite a bit, and we end up having these conversations where sometimes sixteen year old kids write in and go, "What should we get?" And we go kind of along the lines of where you're going, Justin. We go, "Okay, let's get something that is manual transmission, not that powerful." fairly small and involving. And of course the parents go, wait a minute, I need to buy you a Suburban on a lift kit with extra airbags, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it's always a funny Biggest conversation. Thing I can think of, yes. Yeah. It, it is still mind numbing. I'm sure to Tommy as well, that the ignorance that exists around the potential disaster of driving a car. I mean, I, I remember doing a lot of, when I was in Florida, I had a racing school and then we had a young driver school mm. and this school was four ninety five for a day driving in all these little, we had Chevy sponsorship. The mothers would be like, I'm not spending that. And I'd say, what did you spend on the lacrosse kit for your private school? Mm, mm. And they'd be like, well, like four grand on all their gear. And I'm going, do you realize that you have, your son is driving, your daughter is driving a weapon. Yeah. And they statistically, it's still the same statistics without being boring, but it's an equivalent per month of 10 737s crashing. There's 350 Three and a half thousand kids die a month on the roads of America under the age of 16, either as passengers or as drivers. I believe the statistics around that, which if 10, if one plane dropped out of the air, we'd all be changing the way we live. But there's nothing sexy about it. There's no, there's nothing. The media don't talk about it. It's just one of those things. It's just not worth talking about. Well, that's been happening since the beginning of time. It's, it's against the backdrop of the virus where every day is the focus on the death count. Yeah. 
it's it's an internet you just get used to it that's, yeah. that's weird yeah it's a, the death toll is massive amongst kids and um that's a real pity uh that it doesn't get more attention and driving school driver's ed is getting less important in schools they the cars are making this soper is the right word soper soporific environment you can't you know some of the cars that we get to drive i love them but if you're driving some of the big sedans Oh. You can't feel, you can't smell, you no, can't not touch. At all. Absolutely. Yeah. And then they have to reverse engineer it back in for you, right, through all the systems so you can actually feel what's yeah. going on. You're absolutely otherwise, right. you might as well just fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, when people write to us and they say, all right, guys, what are some upgrades I can do to my car? Because we always drive cars for, for what they are, designed and engineered from the factory, generally speaking, unless yeah. it's some yeah. fun, you know, like that scampery GTI thing. Yeah. People say, what can I do to upgrade my car? And our first question is, what are you looking to do? What do you you want to go do with this upgrade? And many people think power. Mm -hmm. And we always tell them the first and best thing you can do is a driver upgrade. Yourself, you becoming a better driver. Then after that, it's tires. Maybe brakes after that. Power is way down on the list for us. Because there's so many chassis and suspension and tuning and, you know, things you can do to get a better dynamic feel out of the car you have. But what are you guys, you know kind of picking up on that conversation from a driver upgrade standpoint, what are things that you would say super quick for listeners to go do a driver upgrade on themselves? Take some sort of a course. It's the only thing that people, you know, think they're good at and they never see it. You know, if you're trying to get better at anything, you take lessons and yet somehow people think that they're good at this. I mean, what, one thing, this is something for every single, like I took my wife to a parking lot. ABS has changed the game a little bit, but it's even more powerful now is how fast a car will stop. Mm. And you go into a parking lot and you drive along and you go to a cone at 40 miles an hour and you push on the brakes as hard as you can. Yeah. It's, it's better if you have someone there because they say, no, you say, no, really push on the brakes. Mm-hmm. And it takes a handful of times before they're even getting close to. And you have these systems now that intuit that they're trying and they add brake pressure. But, you know, really understanding how to how to stand on the brakes. And and that would if every single person that got a driver's license had to do that, you'd, sure. you'd save some clients. Yeah. I mean the first the only time most people ever break hard is as they're about to hit someone. Yeah. Totally. And then, you know and then they don't they don't apply the brake hard at first. It's only late, late in the game. The second that, that drives everything is vision. And I, I joke, it's like one of God's cruel tricks. When the adrenaline goes up, your eyes go down. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so even me, who has been doing this for 30 plus years, if I've been out of the seat for a while, I haven't been on a track, my eyes go down. I mm-hmm. recognize it pretty quickly. But, you know, and the analogy I say is if you tried to walk across a crowded mall at christmas time with your head down you'd run into everyone whereas if you just lift your eyes up it's obvious what in your body kind of puts you where it needs to because you're getting the information early and it's not reaction time it's just seeing things and so eyes eye work is literally something you have to rehearse and build into a habit and continually work on and and to get the information quicker to be ahead of it rather than behind it i mean i just can't believe the you know the distractions that we face now and we're all guilty of it you know, the fact that in your car, your phone, we never had to deal with that as kids. True. We, true. I mean, there's no way. I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine the distractions. And when I ride, sometimes I ride a motorbike on the road and 
if everybody could just know what it's like from a motorbike's point of view, mm. you can see in the windows, you can see people are on their phones, you can see the effect it has, uh, even just on traffic jams. I want, no one's done a calculation. That, that two or three seconds delay for the car at the front of the line because the person's on their phone mm-hmm. multiplied by millions of, millions of times around the country how much time we're losing because oh, of that it's it's like that I, I mean i wonder if there's any reports done on our traffic jams worse now than they used to be not just because of volume but because you're not delays. focusing because yeah. uh, mm. you're delayed mm. so yeah if you can without without sounding like we sound like four old men so four old crows sitting <laughs> on a phone wire <laughs> looking down going well we'd never have done that but you know we're all guilty of it but totally definitely doing the driving thing definitely getting getting exposed to some form of performance driving and someone once said to me well i don't need my kid to be taught by a race car driver Mm. i said well if your son was learning to shoot do you want it to be from a farmer who shoots the crows or do you want it to be from an ex-special forces guy yeah teach you how to use the gun yeah you're not teaching him to kill you're just teaching them probably better techniques so that's yeah as long as people keep driving i mean but there are days when i'm coming back from the airport that i'd be the first one to jump into my pod and just play on my phone and get sure. home with yeah. you. I it's, mean, no, you're absolutely right that we're all guilty of it. We talk about it on the podcast a lot of put the phone down, but at the same time, we've all done it. Yeah. That's one of the reasons we talk yeah. about it because it is it's such an addiction to. I should I should check that right now. You know. So anyway, well, guys, it's awesome to have you. It's it's great to kind of talk about all kinds of topics. So the Show dot com, the Torch Show podcast on SoundCloud, the Torch yeah. Show Torch Show live on Facebook and Instagram. Torch Show live on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Love of Cars on Haggerty, and uh, we will be going back with IMSA when they go live. They go to Daytona and Sebring's, however, not without fans. They're, with, they're without fans. Okay. So we'll be doing it remote from, from L.A. and then Very cool. hopefully back on the road. So Wow. Fantastic. Wow. We'll have a great time chatting with Dario. Uh, is that going to be online after you talk with him and uh, Nick yes. Mason as well? Yeah, uh, Nick's Nick's um, show. Nick, because he's a rock star, is allowed to do this. Um, he is postponed. <laughs> so uh, understandable. Yes. I, no problem. I'm looking around for someone to imitate a mid '60s rock star, mid '60s but mid '70s age group. <laughs> it'll be on Haggerty live today, at, uh, and then it'll be on the Facebook page uh, starting tomorrow. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, Very cool. Huge thanks for being on with us. Really great to hear you. For and sure. uh, thanks for sharing. Really appreciate it. Well. Good luck with everything, guys. Thanks for asking us. Thank you, gentlemen. Cheers. Talk to you later. Cheers. Bye. Here's the unexpected thing about that that I really liked. Mm. These guys are, are, as we said, as as we've covered, as they covered, they are known drivers. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk about their driving career. We just had fun talking (laughs) about being car guys. I thoroughly enjoyed just having that conversation, talking about cars we all love, because that is the commonality here. I mean, and you've probably seen Tommy Kendall or Justin at somewhere, because they've all been commentators a lot of places. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're all over the car world. So I just like talking to people, these kind of guys especially, about just loving cars. Which was so cool. Thanks to both of those guys for being on. we got to have them back on the show at some point as well. For sure, yeah, yeah. Talk more about just, you know, stuff we love and (laughs) more cars that are on our radar. What's next? Whenever Paul and I are searching for cars, we always start with Auto Tempest. To find the best car for any budget, it's important to cast as wide a net as possible. Check all the places they might be hiding. And you used to have to search all the different car sites separately, but with AutoTempest, you can now get them all in one place. AutoTempest lets you enter your car search info, and then you can see results from all the top used car sites at once, plus a bunch of smaller ones you probably wouldn't have thought to check. 
Auto Tempest can help you find your next car wherever it's hiding. Plus, with all these listings, with one search, it's a great comparison tool to shop around and find the best deal. So if you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or just looking to feed the disease because you want to look at cars again today, head over to autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Have you ever wanted to cruise the California coast in a replica Shelby Daytona coupe? Yes, us too. And now's your shot. DriveShare, the coolest online car sharing platform around, is giving you the chance to win an ultimate dream drive. All you have to do to enter is to tell Haggerty where your dream drive is, and you could win this one, the Shelby Daytona Coupe on the California coast. We're talking California Highway 1, PCH, in a Daytona. Enter today at driveshare.com slash dream drive. That's driveshare.com slash dream drive. So we've got a ton of questions, and we should jump right to questions because we aren't going to, even going to do a car debate this episode. After that really cool interview, we figured we'd just listen to you guys and talk to many of your questions. There are a ton, including one I want to get to in a few minutes, which is the Track Daily Crush Crush. This is apparently what happens when you send in four cars. Oh, But I want to start with Gabriel because I mentioned it at the top of the podcast. Gabriel has a question. Please explain to me what autocross is, is mm. his question. Yes. You will know as of Thursday when we drop this big sedan piece and we take these big sedans, which shouldn't really be autocross, autocrossing, and prove the adage, autocross whatever you have. Yeah. But, yeah. but what autocross is essentially is it is the lowest form of competitive racing. It is the easiest accessible way to race your car. It's almost always held in the same kind of venue. It is some big open parking lot. And they set up with chalk lines sometimes, but cones always, a course. And if you follow through the, co the cones, it is essentially a bunch of squiggles in a parking lot established by cones, which means when everybody leaves, all that's left is a few tire marks. There's no evidence anybody was there. It's not an established race course, and it's different every time. You can race in certain classes. You can race in the newbie class. I've seen random pickups show up. I've seen cars that shouldn't be there. We did our, with our with our old sedans. So that is what it is. And we talk about autocross off and on as an easy way. It's typically also very cheap. You show up, you do a circuit, you wait in the line for everybody else to do their circuit, then you do another one. Yeah. There's a lot of standing around in autocross, but for something that's as cheap as it is and a run what you brung and just show up on Saturday at this parking lot, that's a great way to really try your car. Yeah, I love the accessibility about it. Well, there's a question over here from Jeremy Homrich on Facebook who asks, how does he get his dad to drive his car more? Mm. We're talking about this constantly. He said he finally went out and bought a 2012 GT500. Wow. And in three years of ownership, he's only put 2,000 miles on it. Wow. It's too precious for him. And everything Jeremy says doesn't seem to work. How can we help his dad? And he might be listening. Hello, he might dad. be listening. Hello, dad. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's taken me, I, I point fingers at me to start. And... Early on, and when I was in my early 20s, just the thought of owning a hot car, I just thought, oh, I don't want anything to happen mm -hmm. to it. Just because of the thought of any ding or scratch or just anything mechanically going wrong or you know, wrecking the car or anything was just horrifying to me. And I slowly, over time, driving more cars, your skill has improved, all mm -hmm. those kinds of things has made me – I'm totally the opposite now, You know, less yeah. recalcitrant, yeah, yeah. I guess, but more on the side of – I don't want my car to own me. Mm. I don't want my stuff to own me. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And when a car sits and it doesn't get driven, what's the point of having it? I agree with you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I hate to say it, but you know, at that point, and Jeremy, I'm sure you've talked to him about this. It, it just kind of comes down to, 
you know, life is short. And if you're not driving mm-hmm. your car and you have this car and you're paying all this money for it, yeah. honestly, get rid of it. I agree with if you. If it's sitting, let somebody else enjoy it because cars are definitely made to be driven and it's only going down in value, generally speaking, unless it's yeah. a, you know, well, if, if that, F1 or a Ferrari GTO. If that GT500 happened to be one of the low mile ones out there or for some reason was extra special and so every mile was a ding off of it in value, it's probably not that GT500. And, and the 2012s were kind of well known to be hammers in the power department, but not that great in handling. And some people, frankly, found them frightening. Mm, I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure. But but Jeremy, here is my question for you to ask your dad or dad if you're listening. Here's my question for you, and there isn't a right answer, but this is the core of it. Why do you own it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I agree with you. It's it's not an appreciating asset. Generally speaking, there are some there cars. There could be random that's, exceptions that's a for right, different that's arena. Case. But that's in this case, I doubt exercise. it's an appreciating asset. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, Paul, you're paying. Not only to own it, but to store it and to insure it, even if it doesn't move. Even if you've paid it off and bought it outright, you're still yes. paying for it. Yes, for sure. And I honestly think that I don't want to drive it because there's very few things that fall into that category that can be defended. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, if you have a car, its entire purpose is for you to be behind the wheel and enjoying the interaction with it. And I don't mean sitting in your garage making engine noises. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So if you're not out driving it, I think there's a real – crisis of faith moment to ask yourself, why do I have it? Do I have it to say I have it? Do I have it to drive to the cars and coffee at the end of the block and put the hood up and walk around and go, look, I own a GT500? This exists. Look, I'm not taking away the fact that this exists. But what we're about here is drive the thing and enjoy it. And And look, I'll throw out something crazy. If you had a lesser car, Dad, would you drive it more? I was just about to ask that. If he sold that and yeah. got something that he wouldn't mind driving. Just how put about miles a on. Retractable fastback Miata. Well, how, how about, about a lesser Mustang? Or a lesser Mustang, yeah, I mean, sure. Any, I, I'm just saying, what, what's the sure. category of car that if you had it, you would still be intrigued to own it? Because, look, we're not saying buy something you don't like because you should drive it more. We're not saying that. But what's right. a car that's lower down the food chain? If you're like, well, I had one of those. I just put miles on it. I wouldn't care. But this, I can't put miles on. So what's the car in the I like it category you can put miles on that you could just drive because it's Tuesday and I need to go to work? Yeah. Because that's when the fun happens. I I know this sounds weird. I just said I took a drive with my son at the top of the podcast, and we had a great, great fun drive. But you know what we did the day before? He and I ran errands in the Lotus. (laughs) Totally awesome. We, We literally did the start and stop, get in and out of the car, park it in a parking lot. We have to go in this store, ran errands in the Lotus Elise. And you know what? It was glorious. I mean, it's the opposite for what it's designed to do. Absolutely, But who cares, right? He had bags all around his feet by the time we got home because, of course, the trunk is tiny and he's little. And so we worked it out. But but the thing I think is great is those moments when you're driving a car that you like and you do something mundane Uh uh and you like the car in that moment. That's a special moment, too. As much as I love driving mountain passes, and I do, those moments when you do something that there's no reason for you to enjoy a car right now, and yet the fact that you're in this one kind of makes it cool that you're here, those are special, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, There's so many questions. Thank you, guys, so much. So I'm going to go here. Hal said... Track daily crush crush because he wanted to send four cars. Exactly. Apparently, this is the new. If this is the new thing, I'll take it. That's fine. It's the all wheel drive edition. Did you see this? Yeah. It's the Alpha Julia Ti all wheel drive. So that's not the Quadrifoglio. It's the one with the standard. What is it like? Two hundred and sixty, two hundred seventy horsepower engine. It's the, yeah, it's the two liter turbo. Two eighty maybe. So it's that one. Uh, so that all wheel drive. The Golf R. The 
M235i X drive, so the all-wheel drive version of that, and the GLA AMG 45 that we like. <laughs> I actually think if we're talking track daily crush, crush, I'm crushing two. Yeah, you are. I'm going to crush the Golf R, and I'm going to crush the BMW M235i X drive. Oh, my gosh. Because I want to daily the Julia. Okay. I want to drive that car every day. And the GLA is a hot hatch with a dual clutch. It There's is. your track car. It is. That's my track car. GLA AMG 45. You wouldn't want to track the M235i? I mean, it's X-Drive, but I think it would be great on it track. Would, it would be great, but I'm taking the GLA. All right. There's another one from Kirk Carson on here. Track Daily Crush. Single Crush. Oh, okay. Volkswagen GTI, Honda Civic Si, and the Hyundai Veloster N. Well, I'm definitely... We did that episode. I'm tracking that. Yeah, we did. As a matter of fact. <laughs> we did that episode of DV. We called it the middles. Yeah, we did. We did. I, I'm tracking the Veloster N. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, that car is designed for it. I will, hmm, you know what? I'll daily the Volkswagen GTI because it is a nice place to be. It's very it's nice comfortable. place to be. Yeah. And the, the Civic Si, I don't like the rev hang. So it crushing is it. It is difficult. It's an easy car to drive stick in, in traffic, though. I type R, I, if Type R is on the list, I'll take that. That's a whole different story. But the Civic <laughs> Si, not a fan of the rev hang. Okay. And he thanks me for, you know, the watch advice. Apparently, I, I gave watch advice. He bought a Tog Heuer Carrera Pacific Coast Highway Edition Put a new band on it. That's the coolest thing. Put a new band on your watch. Mm-hmm. Changes the character. It's like a new watch. You have exactly teed up another question. Okay, great. Combat Conductor asked one that, since I read it earlier today, it's been rallying around in my head, man. And I'm, I'm asking, the, I'm going to share this question. Then I'm going to ask you, the audience, to tell us the right way to go. Okay? Because the question here is, have we considered, have you and I, Paul, considered doing what he is calling the Everyday Driver Aux podcast? Oh, yeah. It's the auxiliary podcast, the extra. I thought about calling it the Everyday Driver Extra. But the point here is, it doesn't come out at a set schedule, but it's additional episodes that just come to mind. He said, you do the WWD, the the Watches, Whiskey, and Design podcast. I love it. Okay? And I do something. He says I should do something about my experience growing as a father. I don't know that I have any fatherly wisdom, but I have stories. So there's that. <laughs> but, I mean, I've always wanted to do one that was like on film and story too. But the problem is you and I don't have the time to do a consistent podcast on those topics. Yeah. Okay? Right, right. But we have interest in doing podcasts on those topics. And what, you, what you've struck here by asking this question is the thing that Joe Rogan does. I don't know if you thought about this. I'm sure most of you listening have at some point listened to at least an episode of Joe Rogan's podcast because it's wildly successful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, yes, indeed. And he just got a quite a big deal mm-hmm. on it from Spotify. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about his podcast, if you look at the listening, because there's thousands of them, he lists in there, for example, when he's talking to some when he's talking about UFC or MMA. I haven't listened to a single one of those. And they're just interspersed sure. among his other guests about whatever. You just engage with the ones you want. Right, right, right. We are a car podcast. We are twice a week. We talk about cars. Now, now, cars thankfully drift everywhere. We talk, and I don't mean drifting, drifting. I mean that topic can lead you all over the place. We talk about marriages and kids and life and houses and you name it. Yeah. Okay. But I think it would be interesting if you and I did the occasional podcast that isn't on cars and isn't released on our standard Tuesday or Friday. Maybe it's a Wednesday release and it's listed in the title that it's something else. Mm. Now, my question for you as an audience (laughs) member is, does that dilute what we do? 
do you not want that because it would be in the same feed or like the Joe Rogan world? I'm not equating us, but you follow me like mm-hmm. the Joe Rogan world. Would you just look at that and be like, that doesn't interest me or that one does interest me. Mm. I'm wondering because we have joked so many times over, let's be honest, 500 plus podcasts Amazing. that there are other Still. topics we wouldn't mind podcasting about, yeah. but they're not a consistent. This is the regular thing. And yeah. I don't necessarily yeah. I, I want to be careful that you guys know what you're getting when you're here. But if you'd like something else, we want to be open to that as well. So I'm throwing it right back at you at the audience. Are you interested in us having what would be like the extra podcast now and then that are totally off this car topic? Mm. Sanjay made up for those of us that need a daily driver with an automatic. When do you get the automatic fun car for everything versus a more basic commuter and fun weekend car? Well, tool for the job, as we always say, Automatic fun car, it, mm, <laughs> when the automatic is actually a PDK, I suppose? Well, I also think it depends on your manual transmission tolerance and where are you driving. Because I'll give you the, the, my personal example. My Z car, did I want it in a manual? Yes. How did I drive it? 90% of the time in stop and go traffic at walking pace. So having an automatic in that scenario yeah. in Los Angeles, I never disliked having an automatic when I commuted in that car. Not once did I go, I, I really wish I had a manual today because I'm at walking pace. On the weekends when I drove 100 miles for fun, I wanted a manual then, but that was maybe 10% of my driving. I think you have to take a serious question as to how am I going to use this and What's going to frustrate me more? It's really a frustration tolerance discussion. Am I going to be more frustrated that I have a manual in traffic than I am being frustrated to have an automatic when it's just a fun road? Mm -hmm. What's your equation? And for me, it worked, even though I still wished I had the manual. I think that is the question. If, If it is just a single car, because you're talking about two cars now, Sanjay, which means double the tires, double the fuel, double the insurance, all that kind of stuff, depending on the cars. Which is awesome if you can, and we highly recommend it. Exactly. But if it is indeed the only car, and you do want that car to be more on the fun side rather than the daily, then you do have to accept the automatic if if traffic is a big deal for you. But otherwise, yeah, as Todd said, what is the tolerance? How much pain can you tolerate? (laughs) Of course, it depends on a daily basis because traffic fluctuates. Yeah. So there's some days where you're sailing, you're going, oh, I got to work early. I could have, you know, easily driven Mm -hmm. a manual. Mm -hmm. How about a Corvette? You know, if you have some kind of cool Corvette Mm -hmm. and it's an automatic, but then you really like driving it in canyons or you autocross it or you race it or whatever, and it does both, that's where, you know, only you can really kind of figure out that situation for yourself. Well, and it's one of those things that gets talked about a lot. I mean, according to the internet, if you don't have, because of course the internet's always right. If you don't have a manual transmission and you drive it all the time, Mm -hmm. you aren't an enthusiast. And this is one of the many things that the internet has gotten wrong. I know it's shocking. I know it's unbelievable for me to say that. The internet is wrong? It's crazy. But this isn't true. You can be an enthusiast and have all kinds of proclivities, okay? So if you want an automatic for your daily I am crawling life and the occasional time you do fun and the, and the automatic works, hey, I'm not going to take that away from you. you. You, Ultimately, back to where we started, we want you to love that car. We want you to love it all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yes. so, and, and I'll, I'll even go further. I'm ranting now. There will be moments when you don't like your car, even if you love it, just like the person you're in love with. There's times when I don't like you very much right now. Okay. <laughs> so that happens with your car. I totally get that. But 90% of the time when you're in love with that car, which way do you need to be? Do you need to be auto? Do you need to be manual? Because if you're an enthusiast, if you're listening to this show, you're probably an enthusiast. So I think that's great. 
Exactly. All right, some quick tips for buying out of state. Spide Schubert is looking for an IS300F Sport. Most are 1,000 miles away. Mm. What is the best way to go about making sure that the purchase is good and solid? Well, you're going to have to offer up a few goodies to that owner. You're going to have to entice them to help you out Mm -hmm. because you are wanting to possibly buy the car. You don't know what other interests they have, but you know, if you are definitely serious and things start to check out, you're going to have to offer up, Hey, would you mind taking it to the dealership for them to do a pre-purchase inspection? Take it to the Lexus dealership. Got to take it somewhere for sure. And I'll pay for you to go, you know, get a Turo back home or not a Turo, an Uber. Uh, you know, I'll, make your time worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Maybe I won't undercut you quite so much on my offer. Maybe, <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Don't, don't insult them with the offer. Say, all right, you're, you're offering me a fair price and a great car. I'll give you asking. How mm-hmm. about that? Yeah. I, I mean, it depends. Assume, assuming on what comes back. You want to well, get but, a good deal. And but, even if it's a small dealership, and I'm talking like the small, I've done this with a couple of cars, the small questionable corner dealership, they should be okay with driving that car to a place to do a pre-purchase inspection. Sure. Don't pick one across town. Yeah, find one exactly. near them, but they should be fine with work, it. Yes, for sure. Know, and make it make it good for that owner. Yeah. Make it yeah, easy yeah. on them, mm-hmm. but say, "Hey, I'm interested. You know what? You know, I've got a friend coming through town or, you know, somebody's willing to come take a look mm-hmm. at it for me or would you just drop it off? I'll make it worth your time. I'll buy you dinner. You know, I'll include that with the purchase price or something, you know, cuz I really Possibly, want that car. Yeah. Put me on the list and and uh, you know, kind of entice them to help you out. And I also think you need to be willing at any point to walk away. Research like crazy. True. Pull the Carfax. I've done this. Pull the Carfax. Look and see if the car you're looking at, based on VIN number, was regularly serviced at the same place. Call that place because guess what? The number's on the Carfax. Agreed. You can dig in big time from a distance. The hard part is the more you invest yourself, I know this is my problem, the more I invest myself in a specific car I'm chasing, the harder it gets even remotely to be like, and I'm walking away. You've got to free yourself to be like, that's a red flag and I'm out. Guys, thank you so much for your questions. There's even more we need to get to, but we've got to end it there for now. Really, really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed. Let us know some feedback on uh, the increasing amount of guests. And uh, we're continuing to work on that for you guys. And uh, really appreciate it. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>